0: My name is Justin, for any of you who don't know, and I oversee the children's ministry here at Calvary Chapel, and Pastor Rich asked me to uh, share a little bit about um, children's ministry, what's going on here, and just, and just children in general. Uh, many of us have heard the, the scripture, you know, out of the mouth of babes and infants you have ordained praise. And so we hear some of the most profound things from children, but also some misconceptions, and that's where people like you and me uh, come, in, come into play. For example, a student once said, uh, not here, but, uh, Samson slayed the Philistines with the axe, A-X-E, of the apostles. So that's kind of funny. Uh, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day, but a ball of fire by night. Not, not true. <laughs> the Egyptians were all drowned in the desert, two S's. Afterwards, Moses went up upon Mount Sinai to get the Ten Amendments. So, not, not quite accurate there. Uh, and this is applicable to today, today's message. The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua, Joshua told his son, S-O-N, to stand still and he obeyed him. So, that, so that's kind of uh, applicable, applicable to today. So, let's pray quick. Uh, Lord Jesus, we do come to you today humbly we ask you to bless uh, just this time together lord i pray that you would speak through me by your word and that the things that you want us to take away from today would just stick in our hearts and where most importantly we pray for your heart for for children that you would show us that clearly and help us just to remember uh, what your heart is for kids in jesus name we pray amen i I do want to just thank you i know that every week when I do get to be in the service and I have that privilege, I know you guys pray for us every week. So I just want to say thank you for that. It, it does have an impact on what goes on. So I, d- I did want to thank you. Um, but today, dealing with children and children's ministry, I want to talk about four, I want to answer four main questions. Number one, what is God's heart toward children? I think starting there is key. Number two, why is ministry to children so important? We'll try to answer that question. Three, what is going on here at Calvary Chapel Green Meadow concerning children? So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then four, what are some practical ways that we can all minister to children more effectively? Okay, so to start, I want to answer the question, what is God's heart toward children? So if you would please turn to Isaiah 40, verse 11. It says, He tends his flock like a shepherd... He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And there's a couple of things I like about this verse that I'll, I'll point out. First of all, they are his. Uh, as he says there, he tends his flock like a shepherd. Our children and children that you have that have grown up, you, you know that they are on loan and ultimately they are his. And so that's important, I think, to start there. Uh, they, God cares more about my kids than I, could, than I ever could. And I think that's important to remember. The second thing uh, is that God is interested in helping children grow, grow closer to Him. They are capable of a relationship with Him, and God desires to have that relationship with him. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to his heart. So there is see, you know, a soft spot in God's heart for, for kids. He carries them close to his heart. He desires that relationship with them. The third point about this verse that, I, that stood out to me is um, the last part. He gently leads those that have young. And I like that because it, it just shows that God is interested in helping us as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Brothers, sisters, children's helpers, teachers uh, in the ministry here, he's interested in helping us lead the young. So God, uh, I think it's important to start with God because I I want to remove any temptation towards guilt here today. Uh, there's a lot of things that we'll, we'll talk about, uh, suggestions, opportunities, but I don't want us to go away thinking, oh, i got to do all this and i got to do A, B, and C, and I'm just not measuring up, and, and you feel guilty. I, I don't think guilt ever uh, was the right... It doesn't motivate us in the right way, I think. So I hope today's message stirs us to action. I hope that we can all find some way to respond. Uh, maybe something, one thing new we can do, or a new understanding about kids. But it's important to remember that God loves them more than we ever could, and that He's going to help us do this. It's by His sufficiency, His grace, not not our special plan or program we come up with. So I want to start there. He gently leads those who have young. He he gently does that. I don't want to, you know, lay a guilt trip on anyone today. And then the final thing with this verse that I like is it it points out that uh, he gently leads those that have young. So that includes, that's the audience. Who is that, those that have young? That could be directly if you're a parent, uh, a grandparent, you have young in your midst, Uh, brothers, sisters, and I would challenge you if you don't have kids or there aren't kids in your family, that those could mean, and I think we can apply that to the body of Christ. Those, us as a fellowship, those who have young in our midst. And so I would just challenge you to think of, you know, at least you have some small responsibility uh, in this, in, um, in children's ministry in a larger sense. And I hope that we can Uh, get you to think today about some things to consider. Uh, So so that's a little bit about God's heart. Um, Another aspect is just Jesus, His heart towards children, which I'm sure many of you have heard uh, this section of Scripture, Matthew 19, verse 13 through 14, if you would turn there, please. Matthew 19, verses 13 through 14. It says, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went, for, went on from there. So I think we've all, I'm sure at some point we've heard this verse, um, but it's just a healthy reminder that Jesus made room for children in his ministry. You know, he was an important man. He had lots of things to do, and so do we many times. Uh, but he made time for children's ministry. Uh, and it, it's, just, it's interesting, a profound statement that the... Uh, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, and it seems to me, in my natural mind, that um, being a child is a starting point for a lot of things, you know. But in fact, Jesus points out that being having a childlike faith is an access point to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so this this is interesting. The faith of a child is is so key and, and crucial, and we, in fact, must in some ways. Have that faith, that same faith, that childlike faith, in order to access the kingdom of heaven. So, so God's heart toward kids. Another aspect of God's heart that maybe uh, you know, even though He He has this tender affection, but it also leads to a protective nature of of God of Jesus. Uh, he advocates for children and on their behalf, especially orphans and the fatherless. Uh, so you don't have to turn there, but Mark nine forty two. Uh, says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So we see tender Jesus, meek and mild. You know, we see this um, this protective nature, and there's something about a, a childlike innocence that uh, invokes the protective nature and wrath of God. And any parent can relate to this when someone, harm, you know, someone would bring harm to your child, how quickly you, you can turn into a ferocious uh, lion or lioness, uh, so to speak. And so we can all kind of relate to that. But imagine coming between Jesus and one of his little lambs. Uh, you know, he could tear the wolves in two, and he, he will. And someday those who have caused these little ones to stumble, I'm sure God is the judge and will judge rightly. Um, so that's another aspect, God's protective nature of, of children. So that's a little bit about God's heart. Um, so the second question I want to ask and answer is, why is ministry to children so important? Why is this important? And you may already know some great answers and could come up here and, uh, and share because it is very important. Um, Mark 10, verse 15 if you would like to turn there, this is, this is a good one. Mark ten, fifteen. actually starting in 13. This is again a, a dealing with Jesus and people bringing children to Jesus. So Mark 10, verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. With emphasis on on verse 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So the key word that stands out to me there is opportunity. Opportunity that children's ministry is so important because of the opportunity that's there. Uh, children are fertile soil uh, and in a good place to receive the truth of the gospel. And uh, any of you working on a garden this year? Gardeners? Yeah? A little bit? It's frustrating, isn't it? I um, started a garden this year. I, I had a little one last year, and now I have a very large garden, and uh, I don't know much about what I'm doing but I do know one thing in my research that, uh, that before you can even start planning anything, and I didn't realize this, it takes a lot of work just to make sure you have the right soil. Uh, and there, there are many things. I mean, you have to be a biologist to, to, to understand these things. The soil needs to be aerated, have the right nutrients, be the right temperature, have the right pH, the right drainage, the right size particles, um, so there are just so many things that you need to consider. For a seed, you know, I thought you just you know, throw them out there and they just grow up and eat corn, great, you get corn on the cob. But no, it's not quite that simple. Um, so there are a lot of conditions. It has to be just right, the perfect conditions for the seed to germinate and the roots to grow. Uh, and, and I'd like to point out that Jesus is saying here that children, they're, they're just right. They're at the right place. They have the right soil. Their hearts are open to... The gospel, they have this childlike faith, the faith to believe. It's simple. Uh, they haven't quite, some, uh, unfortunately, are this isn't true of, but most are not hardened by the world. They're not hardened by sin, the devil. Um, their hearts are open and, and they're, they're right. And they're ready uh, for, the, for the gospel, for the word. So this is an opportunity. And I'd like to, uh, as Donna pointed out, sometimes as adults we, we need to remember things like God's, beautiful creation around us, I and mean, we miss it because we're so busy with adult things and you know doing big people things. Um, but think of when you first felt that draw towards our eternal God and creator of the universe. Uh, maybe it was looking at the stars and having a sense of awe. Uh, maybe it was playing at the beach and looking out and being impressed with the vastness of the ocean, the waves and all, all these things. It impressed you. Maybe collecting flowers. My, my daughters, they're In this place now, collecting, they're collecting all kinds of things. So, you know, you you might have collected rocks, seashells, um, all these things. Creation fascinated us. Um, It was immense, vast, eternal. And there was something about that that kind of spoke to us, I think, as as a child. And we weren't jaded by the popular opinion of our secular culture that says we're weak if we believe in God. Uh, this was a, a simple faith that sounded something like, "Oh, of course, of course there must be a God. This world didn't show up by accident. You know? Look at all these things around us. So the child, in one sense, is wise in that he has a simple, he or she has a simple faith. They're not arrogant to think that they must have explanations before believing in God, that He exists. And sometimes as adults, we, we demand these things before we can accept God at His word. I mean, just look. It's the message is simple enough for a child to understand. Genesis one one says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." Very simple, right? God did it. God's the author. But we have some very intelligent adults out there saying, "Oh, God, how how is that even possible? I don't believe that." You know, they're they're intelligent fools, as Psalm 14.1 says, "The fool in his heart says there is no God." So how upside down is the kingdom of God? You must become like a child in that faith to enter. So a simple trusting faith like a, like a child trusts their parents, the things they say mostly and, and just following, following your, your parent um, and the things that they tell you. You believe them. So a child is fertile soil. They're ripe to respond to the gospel, but they, they need us. They need our help. So look at Romans ten fourteen. If you would turn there, please, it's kind of like a Bible sword Gerald Day for you. Romans ten. Let's see, I have to find it too. After the Gospels, Acts, Romans. That's A C T S. Acts ten. Verse 14. So, we can believe that God exists, but then we have to go a step further. Uh, Romans 10.14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So this is why... Children's ministry is so important. Because how can, they walk, how can children walk in the truth unless we are teaching and training them in the ways of God? And it's I think the key word, again, is opportunity. And taking advantage of that opportunity we have with children to plant good seeds of truth in that fertile soil. See, the enemy knows this too. And a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort is spent on targeting young minds and souls, and I challenge you to you know this week to think about it as you watch news, TV, media. Think about Hollywood, even schools. I am a, I am a public school teacher in the field of special ed, so um, you know, so I see some of these things that are out there that these seeds that the enemy is is planting, and the enemy is targeting children. Believe it. Uh, just look at some of the messages being sent and the impact of these messages on kids. The Word of God says, honor your father and mother, as well as, in other parts of Scripture, honor those in authority over you. That is a a fundamental principle uh, in Scripture. But look at at the media, look at Hollywood, how they target this. uh, Look at sitcoms, movies, cartoons, culture, even children's literature at times, attacks this principle, often depicting the authority figure as a bumbling fool, And the children left to fend for themselves. And the child or the kids in the the cartoon or whatever, they're eventually left to believe, you know, those in authority are idiots. Therefore, we don't have to listen to them. But see, God didn't say, honor your father and mother if they deserve it. But he did say that it comes with a promise that if you honor your father and mother, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so as we follow this principle, God has a blessing waiting. But the world, the enemy, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So the the enemy is out there teaching and planting these seeds of rebellion. That you don't have to listen to anybody. You don't have to listen to your parents. And it's causing destruction among children. They're missing out on that blessing that God has for them. Also, just look at the, uh, how schools target and colleges target the academic mind as well. You know, and I, I've gone to college and, uh, you know, I've, I've been in classes, science classes, and one of the things that's said frequently you can't mix science and faith. The two are mutually exclusive. Well, in fact, it takes more faith to believe that all this happened by accident. Again, intelligent fools. It takes more faith to believe that all this just happened and showed up one day. But think about it. Okay, your body is the most complex machine in the universe, infinitely more complex than the fastest supercomputer. Tony, right? Am I wrong? Right. Okay, Tony's a computer guy. He knows. Okay, there are multiple systems, trillions of reactions, messages going to and from your brain, all working together. What, and think about it. What makes your heart beat? It's the, really, it's, there's no mystery. God has said it. It's the breath of life. We have this, this life in us. Not to mention the complex emotional, psychological makeup that we each have. Uh, this craving, a deep spiritual craving to find greater meaning in this life. The sense of eternity set in our hearts. And it points to the truth that we have been made in the image of God. I can believe that. A child can believe that because it's, it's simple. Now, the evolutionist says something like this. You put all these elements, and I had a professor that actually said this, you put all these elements, proteins, all these things together in a big pile, and all of a sudden, kazam, he actually used that word, kazam, then, then there was life. And so non-living matter, or living matter, kazam, Came from non living matter. Did I say that right? Yeah. Non living matter, Kazam, living matter. Okay, Kazam. So and then, not to mention, over after billions of years, then you have the most advanced supercomputer ever imagined. But it wasn't through an almighty God, it was through random chance. Just random chance. So that to me takes more faith believe that. But the child can believe that God created the heavens and the earth. It's it's simple. God is big enough to do that. See, the more I study, the more you may study science, the laws of physics, biology, biology, nature, it only increases my faith because it points to a thoughtful, powerful, organized, creative God. But the enemy targets the young mind and plants these seeds of doubt leading to rebellion against the Creator, and the child trusts a school teacher. They trust the professors, you know, someday as they as they grow up. They trust us as parents and and uncles and aunt, aunts, and and things. But Jesus said, you know, remember, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, be better that a millstone be tied around his neck. And God forbid that we would cause these little ones to stumble. And those folks that do, I God will judge. Um, and I pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of him as well. But, so children's ministry is important because it's an opportunity to plant seeds and also an opportunity to set the record straight from a lot of these misconceptions that are out there, to fight for them and defend the faith when they can't or when they don't have that, you know, that trust. They have that trust, and that's where we come along. It's, you know, we can set the record straight. So we all have some kind of responsibility in this to do some, let's say, weeding or some planting or some watering. Okay, so that's, that's important. Why else is children's ministry important? Well, as I said before with Romans, you can believe that God exists, but then there's also the sense that you need, um, you know, there's a lot of doctrinal truth that uh, this faith must be mixed with the, the person of Jesus Christ. And it's not enough to say, well, God exists. Yes, I believe that. Uh, so, so then, children's ministry is an opportunity to point children towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the child must be taught that, you know, sometimes you look at nature and you see vol- things like volcanoes and thunderstorms. As, you know, you see God's power, but the child needs to know that, well, the Bible, this is God's love letter to us, says that God loves us. He created us and he loves us. And we have this problem of sin, And we have this wonderful, you know, sacrifice, loving sacrifice of Jesus that He came and died and rose again, and we can have eternal life through Him. That's something that that's where we come in. And this is true of my testimony. Um, When I so think about when you first heard the the gospel or about Jesus or how much God loves you or how Jesus made that sacrifice, shed His blood and rose again. Think about when you first heard the good news. I went to a Catholic school, uh, kindergarten through second grade, and I learned about the Ten Commandments, not the amendments. Uh, the Ten Commandments, and I learned about the miracles of Jesus. I remember coloring pages of, uh, you know, the fish and the loaves. Uh, for some reason, that stands out. So the miracles of Jesus. I had a fear of God, and Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, or the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, so... So I got that fear of God as a, as a child That's, that soil was, was, was ready, it was fertile for those seeds that were planted, and that will never leave me. There was a, a sense of all, wow, God, you know Jesus, wow, you did all these miracles. So seeds were planted. then, um, in third, fourth grade, I, my parents weren't overly my mother and stepfather weren't overly religious, but sometimes my, my dad would have you know, the televangelists on TV. So I remember one time in third grade I heard uh, this preacher, I don't even know who it is, he was very um, passionate, I remember that, and he was talking about heaven and hell and the wages of sin being death and eternal separation from God and hell, that that was what we were all bound for unless we believed in what Jesus has done, that he paid the price for our sin and offered a way to heaven. And I believed this preacher, and I remember going to my bed that night and asking Jesus into my heart. And I was third, third grade. But, you know, time went on. No one really knew about it. I didn't go to church. I wasn't in fellowship. My parents didn't really go. So, but seeds were planted. And I also had an uncle. He wasn't Catholic. Most of my family was Catholic, so I had an uncle. He was Christian. He was kind of an enigma to me as a, as a kid. He didn't really fit in. He was kind of the black sheep of the family. He didn't really fit in with everyone else. They all made fun of him, things like that. But I, but I liked to listen to him. He talked about Jesus and spiritual things. And I remember around 9 or 10 sitting in his car, uh, he was talking about the sheep and the goats and how sheep, uh, you know, or he was talking about sheep in general and how sheep follow one another. And he was talking about how, you know, just following the narrow path, following Jesus, um, requires to kind of leave the crowd sometimes and, and follow that narrow road that leads to life. So I remember that about 9 or 10. I also remember about him that he, um, he, he had a, my cousin, his his only child, his name was Matt, and I remember that he would take us to McDonald's and, you know, buy me chicken nuggets, which growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So going out to eat like that was a big privilege. So I remember him just doing things like that, being kind. I remember him uh, just as I spent time around him, just noticing his heart towards God and towards uh, my cousin and just that love, that sense of love. So God was using him to plant seeds uh, in, my, in my life, seeds of, hey, God, it was a model, an example of, hey, God loves, loves you, and here, here's an example of that love. Um, but I also had a lot of weeds growing in my life. I didn't know my real father. Um, I had a stepfather who loved me, but he had some trouble showing it. Struggle with substance abuse, anger, insecurities, bitterness, identity crisis, not understanding or being able to receive love from other people that so those weeds were there and sometimes when we look and when i look at children all i see are weeds you know i don't see those seeds that were planted germinating growing roots and i see weeds and i see that they're annoying sometimes or that um you know it's it's just easy to say i'm busy right now you know stop bothering me um so it's easy to forget that Somewhere in there, though, there are seeds that need plant that need watering, cultivating. Um, so it does take patience, love, consistent care, and really the grace of God to do this thing called parenting and as, as and children's ministry, ministering to children. It takes a lot of God's grace, and it's at times thankless, frustrating, and discouraging. As many of you can can as many of you know, but when I think of my own life and people that have invested in my life as spiritual fathers, mentors, um, people in our own midst here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, I can't help but have a fresh perspective on the, on the issue, on the matter, and have a new sense of love for the children around, around us. So there's an opportunity. It's a brief window, and some of you grandparents Probably could give me lessons on this, Um, so I'm not going to say I understand all of this. But just how briefly the time goes, Uh, the child—they're young. I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and an almost two-year-old, and they want to spend all this time with you. They—they love you and want to—you know—they're very good at showing it. They want to show you the pictures they've colored and all these things. But it's such a brief window because then I've also heard as they get older, they don't—you know—you're not quite as cool anymore. So. So it's just taking advantage of this opportunity that we have this brief window not only as parents but mentors kids that are in your, in your lives maybe nephews nieces uh, neighbor neighbors so it's important children's ministry is important one final point on this is that you know God's word won't return void, and with those seeds that are planted, um, you don't have to turn there but uh, this is true in 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 Timothy's life. Paul, one of the men that Paul discipled. Timothy, um, there's interesting scripture on this. First Timothy one five says, "I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you." So this this heritage, this this tradition of uh, faith that was passed down to Timothy. Also, 2 Timothy three fourteen through fifteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and now and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So as uh, Charles Spurgeon points out in his book, Spiritual Parenting, which we have copies not at the table but in the children's ministry. We've asked those in the children's ministry to read it. It's a great book. If you want to borrow it, let me know. Um, just good inspiration. As Charles Spurgeon pointed out, what is first learned is often last forgotten. So these seeds that were planted in Timothy's life grew, and he became a, a man of God. And, but I also noticed something else here, is that no father is mentioned. So we have grandmother, we have mother, teaching the scriptures, but no, no father. And it's believed that he, his father, Timothy's father was a Greek didn't didn't believe didn't know Jesus. I'm not sure about that. That's what I've, I've heard. It's not mentioned here. No father is mentioned. And so, why else is children's ministry important? Well, they're, they're, we all know. I don't. I think you look around and you see the environment children are growing up in. It's you know fatherless sometimes, you know, broken homes. And my testimony is an example of, of that and how people have come alongside and, and helped me uh, in that. So so there's opportunity. I just see this opportunity that the brief window that we can uh, take advantage of. Now, the third thing I want to mention is that, you know, what's what's going on here at Calvary Chapel, Green Meadow, okay? With all this, it's important. We hear God's heart. What's going on here? One of the things, um, overseeing the ministry, one of the things I have to remind myself of is to keep it simple, stupid. That's, uh, there's so many things out there that you can get kind of caught up into. That with children's ministry, there's a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of you know fanciful things. And, and we don't get me wrong, it's fun. You can hear them down there sometimes. Probably in the summer, we do fun things, but we try to keep it simple uh, and keep it about about the Word of God. Uh, we have we use the Calvary curriculum. You can go online, CalvaryCurriculum.com or org. I can't remember. All one, it's one word, Calvary curriculum. And we do, each week we do packets. We, right now we're going through the life of Samson. We're going to go through the life of Ruth and then talk a little bit for a couple weeks about sowing to the Spirit. Uh, we also have started a Sunday night service for those who miss the teaching downstairs. They come to our house, uh, Nicole and I's house, and we watch the tape of the service. So that's kind of cool, something new that... So if you if you're interested in helping and you're but you think oh, I don't want to miss the service, that's something that might be an option for you. Uh, there are many dedicated teachers and helpers, some in this room, and I you know, so so that's that's important to know. It's a team, it's a team effort. There's a lot that goes into it. A lot I can't do that other people do, and there's a lot of gifts uh, represented. So that's pretty neat. So there are a lot of neat things going on there. Um, but we also it just seems I don't know why it seems like it's it's a constant difficult thing to find helpers and, um, you know, people go on vacation, people, you know, there's, you know, gaps. And, and so there are opportunities there. We would like to do more, but it's, you know, you, you do you do what you can. And uh, those involved are very dedicated, um, but we can do only so much. So there are opportunities there. If you want to get involved, you can talk to me. Uh, we'd like to, there's some things we'd like to do in the neighborhood and things like that. So pray pray about that. Uh, the Festival of Hope's coming up that's a great opportunity to reach children um, have some fun and then teach teach the word a little bit. So you can be praying for that. maybe you want to get involved. Um, also we're going to start uh, as a youth church sponsoring a Bridge of Hope child. So just so you know we're going to kind of work on that. so if your children come home and they're talking about that, uh, and maybe as maybe you don't have a child in the youth church, but you would like to sponsor that child. What we're going to do is have a little uh, box, and the kids can bring in you know, a couple pennies, dimes, nickels, a couple bucks, and put that in there and hopefully support a Bridge of Hope, have some kind of connection. You've, we've, how many of were at the Bridge of Hope when the, when the uh, John, is it, I always get mixed up, Beera Beers? John Beers was here. Uh, so that's an opportunity to help us out in that way. Um, so that's something going on. So that's just a little bit of what's going on here. So what are some practical ways, the final point, what are some practical ways that we can minister, we can all minister to children more effectively, whether you have children of your own or grandchildren, neighborhood children? Um, like I said before, I'd like to start by saying there's no, no guilt here. He gently leads us and teaches us how to do this. Um, And one of the things I have to remind myself is to keep it simple and keep it real. And Deuteronomy, and I think I'm going to run out of time. (laughs) Wow. So Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. So I think I'm going to have to find a way to wrap this up. Deuteronomy six. Verse four through nine. What I really like about this verse is it's just about it's it's all about everyday life. Or these verses, I should say. Chapter 6 verse 4 Deuteronomy says Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates and what I really like about that is it's just it's about everyday life, keeping it real in everyday life. And I don't always get this right, and I'm sure you can relate. But some sometimes we do. We model this in our lives, praying when we have problems in our everyday life. Um, for example, uh, Vivian, the one day we got in the car and we were going somewhere, and. Angelina was having a reaction to something, and none of us thought to pray. And Vivian, the four-year-old, sits in the back. She says, I, I really want to pray for Aunt Angelina. It's like, oh, profound. You know, I didn't think of that. And then other times I don't model this. For example, we have our two-year-old, Avelina. She, um, a couple months ago, we were visiting a friend, and they had a little baby in the, in the seat at the dinner table. And the baby was being a little bit loud, and Avi goes up to her, and she points and says, You stop it! I'm like oh where'd she get that you know she didn't think of that one so sometimes we get it right sometimes we don't but it's it's just this everyday life is God real in your everyday life and that's a way to model uh, to children um, you know God's love and how to love God how to follow God praying and, you know when you have daily issues and problems praying together as a family uh, praying for kids in your in your neighborhood too um, or in your own your extended families. Uh, I'm going to have to really shorten it, but an- another thing I just want to point out is availability. Just being available. Sometimes we think, well, if only I had the gifting, or if only I had this, or if only I had the degree, or if only I had, if only I had you know, then I'd serve and work with children. But the, th- the great thing about children is they're very forgiving, and it's, it's an opportunity. And uh, this is what I loved about Cynthia. You know, there were times I tried to take her off the schedule because of her health, and she wouldn't let me because she wanted to fulfill that call that God had on her, on her life. And, and not only in that ministry, but other ministries as well. I think that's a big key, availability, just being available for God. How does he want to use me in this way? And, and I think this is one we often feel guilty about, but it's just time, spending time, quality time, quantity time with our kids, making room for them as Jesus did. So those are just some, a few practical things. So yes, God has a big heart towards children, to protect them, to love them, to teach them. Children's ministry is important. It's an opportunity to plant seeds in fertile soil, but it's a brief window, and it requires weeding out of some misconceptions. I kind of shared a little bit some things going on here, and just to also reiterate that there are opportunities here to get involved right here in uh, this church. And we talked a little bit about some practical things. So let's Let's pray. Ultimately, uh, Jesus said in Mark 9, 35 through 37, whoever welcomes me does not welcome I'm sorry, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So it's God's ministry. Children's ministry. It's not mine, it's as parents, it's not even ours. And so recognizing that. Uh, so I'll close with that. So let's pray. Lord, this is your ministry, uh, children, uh, who are, are, they're people and you care about them and you desire uh, us to use the opportunity and speak into their lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would show each one of us a, a new way we can, uh, just a new perspective or a new way to look at kids and maybe ways we can uh, just remind us of the ways we can help them and weed out misconceptions or plant seeds of truth, Lord as John said, you have no greater joy. He had no greater joy than to see his children walk in truth, and I pray that that would be our joy, Lord, to see these kids walk in truth. And thank you for all the helpers and teachers that are involved each week. And I pray that you'd raise up more uh, people, Lord, for the harvest and for our neighborhood, Lord. I just you have a heart for this for our neighbors, and I just pray you'd show us how we can move forward from here. So show us how you want us to respond, how you want us to be involved, and thank you for your kids. And I pray you'd impress these words on our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I don't have to apologize because <laughs> we're running over for downstairs. So, so thank you. If you would like prayer, uh, I think a couple of us will be up here at the end to pray for your kids or. Uh, something that impressed you you can pray about that so so thank you